Should we go ahead and kick this thing off? Let's do it. All right. Here goes. Have you ever felt like you're falling behind or that the programming world is moving so fast that it's impossible to keep up? Then there's the issue of where to go to make sure you're up to date. The answer is to join a community dedicated to discussing the latest in JavaScript. I mean, wouldn't it be nice if you got JavaScript Jabber all day? Well, you can, kind of. We've created a Slack community for JavaScript Jabber. That means that you can connect with our listeners and guests on a platform you're most likely already using. Plus, we've set up a Keeping Current channel that pulls stories from across the web to help you know what people are talking about. And coming soon, we'll be holding monthly webinars and roundtable video chats to connect with experts in the community and with each other. So come join us at javascriptjabber.com slash slack. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the JavaScript Jabber Show. This week on our panel, we have Joe Eames. everybody. AJ O'Neill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Coming at you as live as live. Amy Knight. Hello from Nashville. I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv. Um, I have a few things going on that I'm just going to shout out real quick. I changed the remote conferences that I've been doing. I made them free. So if you want to go check them out, you can. I have angulardevsummit.com, electrondevsummit.com, jsdevsummit.com, and I'm probably going to work something up for React Native. So anyway, go check those out. We also have a few special guests with us. We have Michael Rogers. Hey, yo. Sorry, I couldn't find the unmute for a second there. <laughs> Common problem. We have Arunesh Chandra. Hey there. And we have Anna Hennington. Or Henningson. Yeah, hi everyone. Now, we uh, brought you all on because we're talking about the Node 8 release, which is super exciting. First of all, I'm kind of wondering, I mean, is Node 8 just an update for a new V8 engine, or is there more stuff going on than just that? There's always more going on than just that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think I think two of the main points that both Arunesh and Anna can get into is, you know, we, we have uh, improved promise support and we have this new native API. So maybe Arunesh can go first and talk about the new native API, and then Anna can come in on the promises stuff that she worked on. Yeah, sure. So this Node 8 release is really, uh, very exciting from the, the native API perspective. So, you know, just for a context, uh, these native APIs are helpful for people who are doing uh, native add-on development. And you know both the, the developers and the consumers uh, side of it. So just for context, today these uh, Node native modules are written in C, C++ and are bound to specific versions of V8 APIs. So which causes uh, these modules to be updated or recompiled every time new Node versions uh, are released, which always includes a newer V8 version. So due to this, there there are multiple issues the community faces. And obviously, the, the first one that creates burden for the, the module maintainers to keep updating their the modules for, for newer versions of Node. Secondly, it creates friction in upgrading Node versions in production deployments. So, you know, sometimes, you know, you have a deployment where it's dependent on a, a certain version of a native module. And it is, you know, some of your critical native modules may not get updated in time when you're looking to upgrade your Node versions, and anecdotally, we know that you know it it causes a lot of people to not upgrade their Node versions in a timely manner. And another problem that it actually presents is that it creates compatibility issues for Node variants that are not using V8. For example, Microsoft has a as a version of Node powered by Chakra Core. So if the native modules are dependent on specific V8 APIs they don't tend to work with other node versions. So with that, I mean, Nappy, we have an experimental support for a native layer in node eight with an idea to eliminate those problems I, I just mentioned as much as possible. And with this node release, it, it certainly represents a very important milestone for, for this uh, module ecosystem. Gotcha. So let me see if I understand this uh, correctly. So you can write extensions for Node in C++, and this just decouples a lot of that stuff from V8 so that you can use Chakra code or something else on the front. Uh, that's just one of the things. Yeah, you, you decouple it from V8 versions itself also. So 
you know, these modules take dependency on V8 API specific to a particular version of a, a V8. So if oh, the V8 okay. version changes, your, your module will be abstracted out of that. Okay. And as a side benefit, you can have another, you know, VM uh, that can you know, take advantage of that if, if they have implemented an API support. Yeah, I mean, so anybody who's done like a major version upgrade has had to go in and, you know, update all of their native modules. And they'll probably find that a couple of those native modules haven't updated to the latest version of Node. And it's like this whole thing, right? And deep dependency wise, about 30% of the ecosystem depends on a native module somewhere. So in the future, once people are binding to this to this native API instead of the V8 API directly, you'll be able to take major versions of Node with, you know, without jumping through all these hoops with native modules. Mm. The same way that JavaScript modules, we don't break like 30% of the JavaScript ecosystem every major release, right? That makes sense. What what kind of work went into this? I mean, I'm assuming most of the work was in C++, but yeah, but yeah, yeah I mean, what, the, what does it take? How do you, how do you, you know, pull those things apart? So the, the first thing what we did was we actually kind of went about and looked at the top uh, dependent native modules out in the ecosystem and looked at like the first 30 of them and saw like how many uh, or, or what kind of uh, a- V8 API exposure they had, like what kind of V8 APIs they use. So we kind of cataloged that and then, you know, looked at how these APIs, you know, what was the purpose of them and, you know, how they can be ex- abstracted in a way that these APIs are, they become part of node core instead of, you know, the modules directly uh, going to a, a VM. So what we did was, you know, based on our research into understanding the, the exposure in the V8 surface, we cataloged them and then created neutral a- APIs. Now they are part of a node core. And these are uh, obviously uh, uh, C APIs. And the shape of these APIs are actually also C. You know, these are kind of uh, C APIs. And we also have a C++ a wrapper that kind of improves the usability of the API if people choose to uh, use in uh, C++ more. So what's an example of something that you can do with these APIs? There, there are like, you know, specific engine, uh, like a, basically why people use native mod- modules today is if they want to have, you know, tighter integration in their the module uh, for performance reasons, let's say. So there are there are you know specific APIs that they can um, use inside V8 that is not available through JavaScript. So th- those are some of the things. I, I don't know if somebody else has has a better example for that. Well, like at a really well, basic level, like if you have a C++ if you have C++ code and you want to expose a variable into JavaScript, that's a V8 API. That's not a Node.js API. Mm-hmm. Node.js is just using the V8 stuff there for that, right? And so like at a very basic level, you know, th- those are some really simple things that you do. <laughs> And then, like, you know, having that bound directly to the VM was really something that we we haven't wanted for a long time. But the problem was that, you know, we don't control V8. Google controls V8 and we bind to V8 and we we couldn't really say, you know, here's a native layer for you to do everything to. We'll support it indefinitely in the future when we didn't actually have the VM saying they were going to support it in the future. <laughs> so starting in IOJS, we actually started building a better relationship with Google and and even and also with Microsoft with their with their Node Chakra work. And so now we have you know also Mozilla at the table with SpiderMonkey all working together to sort of define like what should this API look like and then supporting it and and basically you know support it indefinitely in the future. Nice. So is there a SpiderMonkey version of Node? I don't know if it's been updated. Aranesh, do you know? There is a Spider node which is available and they're working on it. I'm not exactly sure what the current status of it is. I mean, they, they released one in 2011. Uh, <laughs> and so that was clearly bound to a version of V8 that is no longer around. But um, when they came back around for, for this work, they, they didn't say that they were going to update it and, and keep it up to date. I don't know if they're finished, though. Their, their NAPI support is, is not available today, but uh, I, I know that they're working on it. Gotcha. So it was my understanding that part of the reason for wanting like the latest release of V8 was for performance. Have you guys done any testing to see like for different applications how much that has sped up? A little bit, a little bit. There's a performance working group, and they ha- they have a bunch of charts and graphs and stuff. I would I would say that, that like I mean we we take new V8s because we need to stay on top of V8. <laughs> yes, um, yes, like, yes. Like, yeah. like that's not the only reason, but I guess but that I like, was like the, yeah. The longer we wait, the worse it gets. <laughs> but so so the the work that 
that the V8 team has been doing, though, has been primarily focused on new language features. So a lot of features have come into the JavaScript language over the last like three or four years, and many of them have not really been optimized. Some of them have. I mean, arrow functions came in really well optimized, but a lot of them really haven't. And the performance profile has just kind of changed with all these new features. So really what, what this has been focused on is... Um, you know, the performance, like making new features in the language performance. So if you're using new language features, you're probably going to see a performance boost. I think that in core, we're still tracking down where we had code that was very specifically written to the old optimizer and, and rewriting it so that it works with the, with the newer optimizer. Anna, did you spend any time looking at that as well? Just to be clear, like we didn't land the, the new compiler toolchain in V8, which is called TurboFan. We, we haven't uh, landed that in, in version 8 yet. That's still to come. Like maybe in the next one or two Note 8 releases, we're going to have a completely different uh, performance profile because V8 is switching its uh, compiler toolchain. And and like uh, for, for most real-world applications, it's going to be noticeably faster. I don't have the numbers off the top of my head, but yeah, they're pretty proud of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we, we waited on the release specifically so that we could take a version of V8 that would more easily upgrade to these features in the future. So we'll be able to take it in a point release. We won't, we, we won't have to, you won't have to wait for node nine. It'll be node, node eight point something. We, we don't know quite when yet. So. Now, when you're talking about new JavaScript features, are those things that you pick up from V8 or are those things that you have to implement in node? Those are all in V8, yeah. That's, those are all, you know, yeah, ES 2015, 2016 features. Yeah. Like async await is a, is a good example. Like, you know, we got that in, in version 7, but um, version 8 is the, the first one slated for, you know, a lot of long-term support. So we're, we're seeing a lot of adoption of that. And and Anna's done a ton of work uh, around promises and making promises better in, in Node as, as a platform. So how do you make promises better? Aren't promises already just awesome? Well, some people have strong opinions about that that don't say um, <laughs> that they are awesome. No, like so. One thing that we did in version eight is uh, to add a method util.promisify, which mm, a lot of people have already seen in, in the Bluebird version, like Bluebird.promisify, or some other promise library, which does basically the same thing, except this one uses the native uh, promise implementation that comes from V8, tries to do so in a very efficient way that, that allows for more optimization for promises in Node Core, um, because now our methods that are exported by Node itself can have more efficient implementations of promise support. Um, another thing that we did is to add promise support for the long deprecated domains module, uh, which people still use because we, we are currently working on the replacement, but it's not quite ready yet. Yeah, people have been asking for that for a long time, and V8 finally has support for for a feature that allows us to implement that. So yeah, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So I'm I'm looking at the Node blog post on uh, the 30th of May that announces a lot of these things. Um, one of the things I think we should mention just right off the the top of this blog post is NPM five, and we talked to the NPM folks a couple days ago. But is there anything more than just saying, okay, use NPM5. Also, just go and delete your NPM cache. There, there's, <laughs> I've seen a lot of people complain about random bugs and things that they find, and I, I ran into one of these too. And they've been fixing these in-point releases of NPM5, but all of these bugs go away if you delete your old NPM cache. So How do you do delete that? Delete your old NPM cache. It's uh, usually in your home directory is .npm. So you okay. can just directory, remove it, then everything is better. And NPM5 is just the best. So. <laughs> okay, yeah, because I... I had weird problems where things would just exit code 128 and the log was silly installing such and such. Yeah, yeah. Uh, many of these, like I said, have been fixed, but cool. yeah, they, they cool. all pretty much go away if you, if you clear the cache. That's good to know. Gotcha. I'm also curious. So you're, you're saying that Node 8 ships with a newer version of V8. What are the features in this newer version of V8 that people are going to really see that they didn't have in Node 7? Well, one thing that people were excited about is that V8 finally supports unlimited heap sizes. So I think previously there was a limit about, like, I think it was the four gigabytes limit that the heap couldn't exceed. And now there is no fixed limit anymore. So V8 is optimized for phones and for browsers, which have different performance requirements than a server. So are the performance choices in V8 
the right ones? Or do you think that we're going to see things like Chakra coming along that are more tuned towards a server? <laughs> I think that one of the interesting things that's happened in the last you know five to 10 years is that the profile of a server that you actually have access to for your application process is getting smaller, not bigger. So we we keep cutting up servers into VMs and then into you know containers, and now we have like microservices like Lambda. So the the profile is actually getting smaller than what you have on your phone, not larger. And so I think that actually you know VMs that you know have really fast cold boot time and can load your application really quickly and then run it really quickly within a constrained environment are probably looking more like what our applications server environments are in the future than, you know, what, what Java is optimized for, for instance. So you're thinking that the optimization for cold boot is perhaps more important than the optimization for long runtime. If you're using Lambda or any cloud functions, definitely. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's the, the main thing that you're kind of worried about. And then, you know, once you're up and running, are you efficient uh, in a small, you know, resource package? Also, I mean, V8 is, is pretty well optimized for mobile, but I mean, Aaron S can speak to this better than I can, but I believe the Chakra is even more well optimized for phones. I, I even just saw a recent port of it for, to iOS because of that. So. Right. So I think, you know, uh, what, what I would like, you know, to kind of add to what Michael said was, there is this uh, notion of Node being so ubiquitous and platform, and is there an opportunity to kind of see how a, a VM can be uh, solely optimized for a certain type of device target and, and be able to take advantage of, you know, and Node, Node is able to take advantage of that VM for, for that, those kind of devices. And, and, and this concept has been uh, kind of kicked around in the community as well uh, called, you know, VM neutrality. And uh, that is something, uh, you know, is, a, is an interesting concept. And, and I think there are VM vendors who are trying to optimize it uh, based on, on, you know, even workloads uh, on a server. You know, if you have some large amount of uh, computation or, or machine learning uh, algorithm that can run faster on a certain VM, you know, it, so, so it actually opens up a, a lot of uh, opportunities uh, for Node to be even more ubiquitous uh, than it is today. And um, yeah, Chakra, actually somebody um, uh, ported uh, uh, Node Chakra to run on iOS because uh, Chakra can, oh, uh, you can turn off jitting uh, in, in Chakra Core. And that is one of the requirements uh, to be, uh, to pass the App Store certification that uh, you, you cannot have a, a jitting um, uh, engine uh, as a part of your app. So the Chakra supports that kind of feature and uh, somebody was able to to bring it uh, to an iOS app. Yeah, I think that's a good distinction. You know, we're seeing Node everywhere and so it's not really just for servers anymore. But I think one of the keys to Node's success was that you know, unlike Java, you didn't spend uh, really a career figuring out how to configure it and how to make it work in a particular environment. You know, when a developer gets Node, they just run Node and they just think about Node. Um, but when a developer runs their code on, you know, an IoT environment or in an Electron app or, you know, on, on a mobile app, they don't actually control the the, V8 or the VM that gets bundled in there. That You know, they just, they run their stuff on top of Node and it just works in all these different environments. And those environments themselves can then be optimized for those specific environments. And VM neutrality gives us a whole other vector. So you're not just configuring V8 options. You can actually swap in an entire different VM that binds to this particular API. I think, though, one thing that I wonder about, you know, along the lines of what AJ is asking, is that you have concerns that you have in the browser that you may or may not have on the server. And so, you know... Sure, you know, it's it's optimized for a lot of, you know, the HTTP calls and things like that that you, you have to do regardless of whether you're on the browser or the server. But then you have other things like file system access and, you know, stuff like that. Or, you know, maybe it's it's drawing things on the screen a little bit differently in, in React Native or something as you, as you build things and, and work things out that way. And so I'm wondering, yeah, you know, how, how important is the engine, you know, when you get into this? Because, I mean, if you're building a React Native app on... Android, I think you are running V8 on the Apple devices, you're running JavaScript core. And so, yeah, d does the profile change there? Well, I think that, 
if you're comparing it against other languages, though, you're really looking at the difference between evented programming and not. Mm -hmm. and, and the browser is an invent, an invented environment, and it has to be very efficient at doing nothing and then waiting for something to happen. Right. <laughs> and then when that thing happens, doing some stuff. And and I think that you know the way that we program servers and Node looks like that. IoT looks like that. Mm -hmm. um, you know now these desktop electron apps you know look like that as well. So the the kind of basics are the same. And then there are environmental differences. I don't think that the programming model changes so dramatically um, between the browser and Node that, that that's much okay. of a factor. But I do think that, you know, the processor, the available memory, those kinds of things really do impact it, which is where, you know, um, changing out the VM or tuning the VM comes into play. Okay. So what else is new? <laughs> I was going to say. I've uh, almost forgotten. I've, I've been... <laughs> I've really so much that I almost forgot. <laughs> so I was reading a blog post. Like I haven't used this at all, but I saw that there's a new async hooks API. Can you explain like what that is used for? Uh, Anna, did did you you mentioned that a little bit? You want to dig into that more? For sure. So basically, what Node has been kind of liking so far is a good way for automated inspection of async work that is happening. Like when you call set timeout in your code. You, you basically don't really have a way for a node to tell you, okay, I'm currently scheduling an asynchronous operation, and then when it's happening, okay, yeah, this is beginning, this is stopping, that kind of stuff. And async hooks is basically exactly that. It's a way for, for developers to write debugging features or whatever tools that implement stuff like continuation local storage, which is pretty cool, on top of it, because node tells the application, hey, okay, I'm doing this kind of work, I'm doing that kind of work in an asynchronous way. And that wasn't really possible before. We're still working on like figuring everything out. It's an experimental API, but you can use it right now in Node 8. Along those lines, we also uh, embedded the inspector now too. It's included in core. Anna or Ernest, do you, do you want to get into that? Well, we, we, we do uh, embed it for, have, have it embedded since like Node 6 or so. But what we have now is a JavaScript API for using it. So you can actually use the features that the debuggers, like the Chrome debugger for Node, um, that a lot of people use. Uh, you can actually use that from inside the, the running Node process. That's basically what it is. And the old uh, debugging protocol has been deprecated, right? Yeah, like the, the old debugging protocol has actually been removed by now. There are still some things like, like vm.run and debug context that are still there. That are Those are going away, or the... Uh, V8 Embedder API, the C++ API for debugging, that goes away too in, I think, the end of 2017, something like that. So, so don't rely on it and move your code away from it if you are using it right now. Now, speaking of stuff going away and some of the stuff that we already talked about, one of the things I saw was that the Node API is being tagged as experimental. So how likely are things going to change in that area and in other areas of Node 8? So uh, the the Node API is currently experimental, you know, um, because it's the first time we are kind of bringing it out in mm -hmm. the open. The goal, the belief is at least that we are going to quickly be able to come out of experimental, hopefully by the time this goes to LTS, and we also be able to port this API to um, the existing LTS, like you know, four and six. Uh, the the work there is to basically you know have more people participate and kind of um, port you know try and port their modules uh, to this uh, new um, uh, new API and you know we get feedback from that and, and hopefully be able to iterate and improve you know the API surface you know if there are any performance concerns people have we are able to to fix them so basically this is a, is in the preview mode with full intention of uh, you know, trying to get out of this um, uh, by the time this goes to, uh, Node 8 goes to LTS. Mm -hmm. Yeah, as for the other new experimental features, um, for async hooks, we're still working a few things out, like how exactly promises interact with them. There's still a bit of work to do to be done. And we're, we're renaming one or two of the methods to have like more expressive names so that people can actually understand what the API is doing. There's another new feature in Node 8, which like hasn't gotten, gotten much coverage. We expose the serializer and deserializer API that comes with V8 now, like what, what V8, for example, uses for web workers in Chrome to send messages or yeah, to send objects between workers and the main thread and stuff like that. 
Um, that's experimental too, because the, the V8 support for it is experimental. I think that's gonna that's there to stay too. So yeah, I think most of it will be will be non-experimental when Node 8 goes LTS. This episode is sponsored by Newbie Remote Conf. Newbie Remote Conf is a two-day completely virtual conference hosted by none other than Charles Max Wood. If travel expenses are an issue or you just can't afford to be away from home for two days, then join us. It's virtual. This conference is focused on people who are new to programming who want to learn what the pros know or just get a leg up in getting a job and getting into the programming community. We'll have speakers from all over the programming community to help you stay current in a Slack room where you can connect with speakers and other attendees in real time. We'll also have a live roundtable video chat for attendees and speakers, plus we'll provide the talk recordings to you within days of the conference. And what what do you mean by LTS? I, I know it stands for long-term support and so, that you allow people to use it for a long time and you know they can count on you updating it and security patches and stuff, but what what is your standard for going to LTS? So we do major releases every six months. So like Node 7 was in October and Node 6 was about a year ago. And after six months, so for example, next October when Node 9 comes out, uh, we will declare Node 8 to be LTS, which means we're the back part, like documentation updates, test fixes, bug fixes, sometimes somewhere minors like feature additions. But like nothing that would like have any chance of breaking people, ideally. And yeah, we're we're gonna keep doing that for a little more than two years. Like we we actually aim for two and a half years. In the case of Node 8, it, I think it's gonna stop at the end of 2019 because our Open SSL uh, version uh, isn't supported anymore after that. So basically, uh, you know, every even releases are actual. LTS candidates that have, you know, they they become LTS when the odd releases come out. Yeah, th- we, we do this so that, you know, we have a current line out there that is relatively stable that people can try out stuff on. Um, and then mm-hmm. we're doing, you know, two majors a year. But really, it, it takes a, a bit of reporting changes to keep these release lines alive for people that want to keep them up in production. So we only commit once a year to a line that um, is going to be supported for, you know, literally like three years, I think. So is Node 6 then an LTS version? Yes, yes. And it's it's the current LTS version for another four or five months. And in October, 8 will go into LTS um, and 6 will drop. Yeah. Okay. So what, what things are you taking out of Node or deprecating in Node 8? <sighs> we, we, we use the word deprecate sparingly. The reality is that, you know, when enough people rely on something, you can't really get rid of it unless you want to break, you know, a huge portion of the ecosystem. <laughs> Um, there's been a security issue with, with buffer for a long time where, um, the, the constructor argument was fairly ambiguous. Um, and because buffer was, was optimized for performance, um, it wasn't zero filled by default. So you could just get random memory out of there. And that, that led to a lot of accidental programmer errors where they, they weren't checking what they were passing into that constructor. And if they passed an integer, they'd just get, you know, a blank space of memory that somebody else had used at some point. So that's. That that was not a good idea for a while. We added alternative APIs that were more explicit um, for allocation or for you know actually putting a value in, and we've been trying to push people to those, and we doc deprecated it for a while, but now we're we're deprecating that API in that it will now zero fill, so it won't break. None of your programs will break, but it will zero fill now so that it's secure. Um, but it will be a bit slower than it was in the past. So you know if you see a you know, performance degradation in your program, you may want to look through and, and see if it's if it's there, and then you would just swap out uh, the constructor for uh, buffer.value instead of calling it. One thing I was going to point out a little bit back to the performance discussion. So as we've been recording this, I read a couple things, and uh, one of the posts, and I'll put it in the show notes, uh, on a React app, he said he switched to Node 8, and he saw like a 23 to 31% increase in performance for server rendering that. So that's pretty substantial. <laughs> yeah, we we try to only get faster. <laughs> yeah, I, sh- I should have reversed that. That's an increase, like reduction. So <laughs> reduction in performance. So it was less performance. No, no, no. Reduction in in speed. So <laughs> sorry. I'm still confused. Did it get better or worse? <laughs> I'm so sorry. It got better. Okay. okay. <laughs> better for performance. Lower. T- yes. Yes. Yeah, execution yes. time. The time that it took was less. Okay. Okay. 
Perfect. Lore, lore is better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we we there's a there's a whole benchmarking working group that actually tries to track our performance um, and make sure that things don't regress and and as different changes land in Node, that we're only getting better and not worse. Um, I mean, obviously, there's always changes going in to you know eke out more performance in the sort of that API and V8 is always getting faster as well. But um, because we're adding so much code and changing so many things all the time, there's there's a big space that could just, you know, accidentally get worse. And so we have a, a substantial benchmarking effort to make sure that, that doesn't happen. Now, is that mostly done manually or do you have some automated things that just run every time you oh, it's, push? No, it's up? automated. <laughs> it's automated. There's graphs. <laughs> you can see. You said group and I'm just sit, sitting here imagining somebody going, all right, I got to run all this stuff again. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> it's really a group that sort of um, gets things into the infrastructure and watches what's going on and stuff like that. They actually use a, a, a benchmark uh, called Acme Air. It's supposed to be uh, a real-world scenario of an airline reservation system. And they run that benchmark um, every time uh, they have to release a, release a build to kind of catch any kind of regression on performance. That makes a lot of sense. So if somebody is currently using Node, is it pretty safe to just upgrade to Node 8? Or should people hold off for a little bit? Uh, it, it depends on what you're using it for. I think that if you're using it, you know, like most people do in their front end compile chain, uh, you should probably you can swap out now pretty pretty comfortably. Um, just delete that npm cache. But I think a lot of performance, or sorry, a lot of backend use cases and enterprises um, like to wait until the line is an LTS. And so, you know, we we recommend that those people just wait until October, um, and then we'll we'll make sure that it's at that point we'll only be adding things in that we know. Um, are really, really safe and stable. Are, were any of these features particularly uh, hard to implement? Did they take a long time? Well, the um, NAPI work uh, was going on for, for quite some time, literally about a, about a year. It took, uh, and basically, it was, uh, it was a, a, a collaboration between a whole bunch of people that actually made it even more uh, interesting. There were folks from IBM, Intel, you know, Google, you know, all over this um, and the whole collaboration took, uh, you know, quite quite a while to uh, get formed, and then you know, uh, made pro progress on this. Yeah, basically the same for Async Hooks. Uh, I, I think Trevor Nordis was working on that for like, like at least a year. I'm pretty sure it was longer than that. I, I was the primary reviewer for both of the PRs. Like those were like on the order of ten thousand line diffs. So that took quite a while. Uh, that was a lot of work, but. It's wow. really awesome that it's there now. Yeah, async hooks. I think you can trace back to it was originally called something else, async wrap, and that yeah. predated IOJS and the foundation. He was trying to get that in, into Node back then. So it's been you know like three years of him really slogging to get this done. Well, we appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, that was an interesting one. I think, you know, there's so many people working on Node now and so many different things going in. It's kind of hard. Like, a lot of the changes are, you know, this just accumulation of all kinds of small changes. But yeah, the, you know, th this release actually had a couple of really, really big ones, like NAPI and, and uh, async hooks that were <laughs> substantial multi-year efforts. So. Yeah, one other thing that I saw in this blog post that I kind of scanned through that I was actually very happy about just because I'm an old Linux sysadmin and, and so you can send console.log and console.error out through standard out and standard error, you know, without errors popping up when you do it. So, yeah, that that's also very nice because then I can monitor it with other processes. It's the little things. It is. <laughs> yeah, I think one of the big takeaways from from the changes that we made in governance a few years ago when we started the foundation was that you know letting people get in all of these little small changes you know accumulate into a really big difference. All these little doc changes and test upgrades and everything. They're just all these little rough edges that get rounded out, and it it turns into a a much better product for people to use. Mm -hmm. So one other thing that I'm I'm curious about, you know, and you've kind of answered this in talking about the LTS maintenance and, and things like that. Um, but what what versions of Node are you currently supporting then, or at least actively updating as we go forward? Uh, Anna, do you want to explain, like, just get into depth a little bit on that one, actually? Yeah, sure. So as I've mentioned, uh, or as I think Michael has mentioned, we are doing current releases, which is currently Node 8, uh, because it just came out. Those are current in current state for one and a half years we're doing 
uh, active LTS, a half a year of uh, current. So currently node six is in that state. Until April, node four was in that state too. And after that, we're doing an additional year of maintenance. So any security fixes or really important bug fixes or something like that, those get backported to node four currently. Um, and, and that will continue to happen until April 2018. Uh, the, this, you can actually see the schedule if you want at github.com slash nodes.js slash LTS. That's a pretty chart that has everything explained. So basically what we're supporting is Node 4, which only gets critical updates right now. Uh, node 6, which gets active backports and occasional server miners. And Node 8, which is the current one. We're, we're not really supporting Node 7 anymore. <laughs> we, we might like do security releases or really important bug fixes, but nothing beyond that. Uh, another key takeaway is that if you're still running 0.10 or 0.12, stop. <laughs> That's really Stop bad. Stop it. Don't. You're not getting critical security fixes anymore. <laughs> gotcha. So wh where do you see things going from here? I'm assuming there are things you're working on now. Is it mostly just uh, clean up bug fixes, security fixes on Node 8? Or are there other thing features that you already think, oh, we're going to probably wind up adding this in? Yeah, I'm thinking about it. Like right now we're doing mostly mostly what you just said. We're still working out everything for async hooks, for nappy, stuff like that. And I'm not sure when anybody has like big plans. I, I one thing that I really want to do, not sure whether it's going to work, is add some kind of web worker or worker support for Node.js because a lot of people have been requesting that over the years. Um, but like we, we'll have to see where that goes. Yeah, there's a big active PR that I've been trying to get in for a long time on that. A few people have picked it up here and there. A, a couple other long-term efforts. I know that we are working on ES module support. It's it, you know, we, it's in collaboration with the spec group because we have to actually get changes into the spec in order to support it. But, you know, there there is sort of work on implementations and stuff like that. That's a really big one. Promise, we're always trying to make promises better and has been doing a good job leading that. And there's there's more to come, I'm sure. Another thing that's going to happen that is like once we get V8 5.9, which comes with the new compiler tool chain, once we get that into 8.x, we really want to look at the performance profile and how that has changed and probably probably going to update a lot of our internal sources to, to have better performance under that new tool, tool chain. The last question that I have is adoption. So what's the adoption of Node 8 and the more recent Node versions are people staying on older versions for a long time, or do they tend to move up when you release something new? The answer to that is is uh, yes and yes. <laughs> so it's a little complicated. Basically, we keep getting better at getting people to adopt new releases. So every new release that we do, that's a that's an even major. More people adopt it faster. More people, you know, drop the last one. But there is a floor at about I I think it's between like five and six percent that we we can't seem to get rid of. Where like people are still supporting or or using in some way these old releases for for quite a while, and it's it's really hard to get them to go you know below that kind of threshold. So we're just at some point we kind of have to like write that off and, and move along. But for the most part, you know, with with our com our community still doubling every year, so we have um, like eight million users right now. And, you know, the, the fact that we're getting that many more users each year and then most of them are actually upgrading to the new version, that's that's really great to see. So how many installations or what percentage of the community after having this, having been released for, what, a week, two weeks, have actually picked up Node 8 at this point? Well, we have a couple different metrics on that one. So it's it's a little difficult to suss out an exact number. The download metrics look really, really good. Uh, NPM also publishes some pretty good metrics on uh, what they're viewing as adoption of newer releases. Um, and uh, they published a graph on Twitter. I, d I don't remember the exact numbers, but you can you can see Node 8 versus some of our older releases. And it's shooting up faster in adoption. And, and 6 is shooting down in adoption quicker than any prior like uh, release. So that's really good to see. Yeah, I think I have those uh, tweets here. Because um, when we talked to the NPM folks, uh, Rebecca shared some tweets that Laurie Voss put out about those. So I'll I'll go ahead and uh, copy those links into the chat here, and you can tell me if those are the right ones, and we'll make sure that they wind up in the show notes. But yeah, it's it's just interesting to note that yeah, people are interested in the new thing, and as long as it doesn't cause them any undue stress, they're pretty happy to move up. 
Yep. And we keep trying to make it easier and easier to update. I, I think, <laughs> you know, we, we have so many tools. Um, Miles Borens leads this effort called Canary in the Goldmine, which is, you know, we, we run all of the major node packages against, um, you know, we, we try to do them mm-hmm. as often as possible. But that shows us if, you know, any changes go in, break a substantial portion of the ecosystem. So, you know, if we can limit breaks um, and, you know, do really good jobs of kind of softly deprecating stuff, um, it makes it easier for people to upgrade. And, you know, the last kind of remaining thing was this native module thing and, and RNesh and, and the, the whole native API team um, are tackling that one. So if people decide, oh, you know what, I, I think Node is awesome and I want to make contributions to it, uh, what, what are the easiest ways for people to get involved? Anna's actually been leading this effort, so I'll, I'll let her dig into that. Well, well, really, one of the people who are really leading the effort beyond what I do is Rich Trott who's one of the most awesome people working on Nodecore. He has a thing called Node to Do, which for like unless you're attending a conference where you're doing where we're doing one of our things where we teach people how to contribute to Nodecore, uh, there's node2node2do.org, which is basically, hey, we'll show you how to make a contribution to Nodecore, guide you through everything. And yeah, like if you if you're looking for a beginner thing to do and you're not really sure where to start or whatever, that is the place to go. We're like the foundation uh, is also doing events at major conferences, uh, like for example last year's Node Interactives, uh, JSConf CN this year in Shanghai. Um, I think Node Interactive in Vancouver this year too, where we like get a lot of people in a room and yeah, basically do the exact same thing show them how to contribute to Nodecore. If they are interested in something in particular, we can always give them like basically tours of the source code, stuff like that. Because we have like a lot of core contributors around at those events, which is awesome because like you actually get to get to talk to the people who are making Nodecore. Is there anything else that you want people to know about Node 8? Or have we hit all the major points? I think that's it for me. Arnesh and Anna, can you think of anything? No, I think uh, I just want to invite all the, you know, native module uh, maintainers to, you know, check out the experimental node API and, uh, you know, provide feedback and kind of get involved in, in making this, you know, get out of experimental and, you know, in the process, uh, help uh, Node.js ecosystem uh, grow stronger. All right. And if people install Node 8 and they clear their node or NPM cache and they're saying, okay, I'm still having problems, how do they report those? Well, it's an NPM problem. Report it to NPM. Right. Uh, and they probably, they probably actually, before you report it, do uh, NPM install NPM at latest and see if there's still a bug <laughs> because they, they've been really, they've been fixing most of these issues that people are running into. It's just that uh, we always drag a little bit behind the, the latest, latest in, in the node installer. <laughs> but mm-hmm. it's an NPM problem, report it to NPM, which I believe is github.com slash NPM slash NPM. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and if there are node problems, github.com slash node.js slash node. Yeah. Also, if you're not sure whether it's a problem with node or npm or or with your own code, there is also uh, github.com slash node.js slash help, where you can actually, it's it's basically like Stack Overflow, but it's provided by the foundation and by, uh, you mostly interact with, with the core collaborator team. Well, if, if we have something that we can help you with, we will. And if it is an issue in Node Core, we will actually uh, tell you what to do, get it fixed. Makes sense. If people want to keep up on what you're working on now with Node, is it just nodejs.org slash en slash blog? That's mostly releases. That's really okay. like the kind of official release channel. We have a, a very active Twitter channel, so you can follow us on Twitter at Node.js. Um, there's also a Medium collection that's run by the foundation, and there's a whole like evangelism working group um, that you can actually get involved in if you're if you're interested in kind of promoting Node and, and writing or editing. Um, you can help us out in the evangelism working group. That's GitHub.com/Node.js/Evangelism. Um, but there's also you know Medium posts are coming out uh, sometimes multiple times a week about using Node. Doing Note stuff, and whenever we have you know a new feature coming in, something like you know as big as as the native API, we we usually have multiple articles about it, kind of digging into it. All right, and then if people want to follow any of you on Twitter, or GitHub, or whatever, what are the best places for them to do that? I'll just let each of you go in turn. <laughs> I'm M I K E A L at on Twitter and GitHub, and I'm A R U N E S H C at Twitter. Right, Anna, are you on some social platform that we can 
connect with Jan? Yeah, I'm probably going to screw this up, but it's uh, twitter.com slash A-D-D-A-L-E-A-X. All right. Well, let's go ahead and get to some picks. This episode is sponsored by Hired.com. Are you searching for a new job? That can be stressful, scary, and time-consuming. Pushy recruiters try to sell you on roles you don't actually want, and the job boards make you feel like you're throwing your resume into a black hole, never to be seen again. And sometimes you go all the way through the interview process just to find out at the very end that the salary, offer, or company culture doesn't match what you're looking for. Hired is the world's most intelligent talent matching platform for full-time and contract opportunities in engineering development, design, product management, data science, sales, and marketing. We make your job search faster, focused, and stress-free. Instead of endlessly applying to companies and hoping for the best, Hired puts you in control of when and how you connect with compelling new opportunities. After completing one simple application, top employers apply to hire you. And on Hired, you receive personal interview requests and upfront salary information so you can make informed decisions about what opportunities to pursue over a condensed timeline. Hired offers access to more than 4,000 innovative employers, including big brand names like Facebook and smaller emerging startups. The size and type of company you want to connect with is totally up to you. And we help you find new opportunities in 17 major cities in North America, Europe, Asia, and Australia. Open to relocation? Let them know. Your privacy and autonomy in your job search is of utmost importance. And if you go check them out at the show's link, that's hire.com slash JavaScript Jabber, you can get double the hiring bonus that they offer. That's $600 instead of $300. So go check them out at hire.com slash JavaScript Jabber today. AJ, do you want to start us off with picks? I'll start us off with some picks, sure. What I'm going to pick is there's a new remix album out on Overclocked Remix called Super Mario RPG Window to the Stars. And for anybody who doesn't know what Super Mario RPG is, your childhood has been ruined by someone and you need to take your life into your own hands. And you need to start the reconstructive pattern of building your life to what it ought to be. So I'd invite you to attain that by any means necessary. Um, You can get it slightly cheaper than what I bought it new on eBay. And you can find a Nintendo, Super Nintendo at your local game shop or one of the clones that will run it. And if you already know what it is, then of course, you're very interested to click on the link in the notes there to find out um, how awesome this remix album is. And if you're not into video game remix music, then again, I invite you to consider your life patterns and bring more goodness in. All right, Amy, what are your picks? So the first one is the blog post that, uh, one of the ones that I found um, to be pretty good to read about what was new in Note 8. So uh, that's just on Rising Stack. And I will put a link to that in the show notes. And then the other one, I was at a conference in Virginia Beach. Uh, It was RevConf last week. And I was speaking with one of the attendees there and then one of the organizers. And they actually do a podcast called Two Frugal Dudes. And as somebody who is like trying to be smarter about investing and stuff like that, I spent like an hour just talking to these people and getting good insight. And so I'm going to pick their podcast because it looks pretty good. And I think they're two like good guys that were uh, really, really, really helpful. So those are the two picks for me. Nice. I'll step in here with a couple of picks. So uh, I've been in bed the last basically 24 hours. And I've just been watching some shows on my iPad on Hulu and Netflix. And I I was looking around because I had finished up Battlestar Galactica for the third or fourth time. And I was trying to figure out what else to watch. And I, I kind of browsed the web and got some recommendations for some TV shows. And so, yeah, these are probably old news because they each have like five seasons out at this point. But I started watching Homeland, which is a Showtime show. And I'm really enjoying that. And then I've also been watching House of Cards on Netflix. And that's also been kind of fun to watch. And yeah, you you think about dirtbag politicians and they kind of show you, I guess, what you would imagine as dirtbag politicians. I don't know how accurate that is to how things work in Washington. I I would imagine there's some of that stuff that goes on. But anyway, it was kind of, it's been kind of interesting to see all the the manipulations and, and stuff that go on there, in at least in this show. So, yeah, I'm going to pick those. Joe, did we get some picks from you? Uh, I got one pick today. I watched a new show on Netflix uh, recently called Shimmer Lake. 
uh, it's a movie. It's a fairly short movie, like 90 minutes long. Um, has a few actors in there that I recognized. But it was it's kind of like a murder, a bank a robbery cop show, murder mystery type of a thing. <laughs> but it's it goes over the course of like five days, but it starts the last day and shows you what happens on the last day. And then it progressively goes back a day. Really interesting um, way that they filmed it, but the show was really awesome. It was a great, great movie. So I highly recommend that. Shimmer Lake. All right. Michael, you've been on the show before, so I'm going to ask you for picks next. <laughs> All right. Great. Okay. Yeah. So what, what I'm going to pick is uh, Blake 2B Wassum. So this is uh, Matthias Boos wrote this, and it's on GitHub, uh, github.com slash Maffintosh slash Blake 2B Wassum. Anyway. We've been seeing WebAssembly finally drop in Chrome and a couple other browsers, um, but I haven't seen a lot of real-world uh, modules for it yet. Assembly has always been, you know, these really discrete little algorithms that you need for crypto and stuff like that. So Matthias has, has built, you know, bindings to the original C libraries and also um, has a pure JavaScript implementation of this algorithm you know, that's used in Sodium encryption and a few other this stuff pretty well. And he did a WASM implementation that can get swapped out um, when that support is available in different browsers. So uh, not only can you kind of see some performance differences here in his benchmarks and see how fast WASM is even compared to, you know, the native C API in Node, um, but also you can kind of see how to use uh, a WebAssembly module in the real world before it's really implemented everywhere. So, yep, that's my pick. Awesome. Aranesh, do you have some picks for us? Well, um... I'll pick the nightly news these days. <laughs> it is pretty wild. I was going to say, is is it because it's a complete circus, or do you actually get something out of it? I mean, it's better than House of Cards. <laughs> it's, it's comparable drama, yeah. It's gotten pretty nuts. The Comey testimony was better than any episode of House of Cards that I've seen. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Anna, do you have some picks for us? I don't think so. Sorry. No, it's all good. All right. Well, uh, thank you all for coming and kind of doing an impromptu out of our regular schedule episode. We're going to get the NPM and Node episodes up pretty quick here, but, you know, over the next week or something. But anyway, it, it's just really great to see all the work that goes into this. And I know there are a ton of people that work on Node that weren't able to come onto the podcast, you know, that contribute in various ways. So, you know, thank you all for coming and sharing what you've been working on and what other people have been working on. And thanks to all of the contributors to Node. Uh, I think it really adds a lot to the community and gives us just some really terrific options for working in JavaScript, whether that be on the back end with, you know, Node and then some framework or something else, or even on the front end, just using the, the tools that are available and just hooking that into Node and making things just a little more seamless that way. And with that, we'll wrap up and we will catch everyone next week. Thanks. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.